Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. So, Every generation has walked, every generation has seen famine, pestilences, they've seen wars, rumors of wars, they've seen figureheads that look like the Antichrist. But we are the only generation, and this is really key, we are the only generation that has seen Israel brought back as a nation again. We're the only generation. So in 1948, the time clock stopped, started ticking. And there's gonna be some people that live that never die. They're gonna live they're gonna be raptured up to heaven and they're gonna live for all of eternity in heaven. They won't experience death on this earth the way that some people have experienced death. So Jesus said that that generation, right? He said that generation, they're not gonna pass away until the end. So this is how we know that we're living in the end times. And by the way, Israel had to exist as a nation to fulfill dozens and dozens of prophecies. There had to be a covenant with the Antichrist that Israel's gonna make, which just makes you wanna bash your head against the wall, some of the stuff that they've done. Um, there had to be a nation for the abomination of the desolation to take place, that they have to exist and have a rebuilt temple. Uh, for the two witnesses to come, there has to be the existence of Israel. Jesus says that the generation that sees these things will see all things Fulfilled. God says that the same time that I bring back Israel, that Armageddon is going to happen in that lifetime. So a good question to ask is when Jesus said it's going to happen in that generation, how long is the generation? <laughs> One of the foundations for sound theological doctrine uh, in Bible interpretation is that the Bible is the supreme authority that interprets the Bible, okay? So let's see what the Bible says about the length of a generation. Psalms 90 verse 10 says this says the years of our life are 70, or even by reason, the strength of 80. Now, if people live longer than that, absolutely. If people live less than that, absolutely. But on average, for what you and I know is the average timeline for somebody, most people live about 70 or 80 years. My parents are 71 and 72. I don't like that scripture some days when I read it, right? I'm like, I want them with me forever, man. And some of you, and you're in this room, you're like, I don't like that scripture either. <laughs> but on average, that's what the generation would be. So if, you're, if, you're, if a generation is about 70 to 80 years, and on May the 14th, 1948, the time clock started ticking, it's notable that this May, in just a few weeks, Israel will celebrate its 74th birthday as a nation, come back together, 74 years. So where are we at here on the timeline? We're gonna talk, talk a little bit more about that next week, but I would encourage you to keep, uh, keep an eye on Israel. Uh, you know, Good Friday this year, as a Christian holiday, fell on the same day as Passover, which also fell on a uh, Muslim holiday as well. And in Israel, if you, read the, uh, if you read the news, you know different people that are over there, there was a massive clash that happened as Jews came and they were praying at the, the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall, they're there praying, uh, because they can't go up above and into the Temple Mount because they gave that back. Um, and so th there, was, uh, there was about 150 um, uh, Muslim kind of extremist guys that were there, and uh, they were throwing um, firecrackers and rocks and stuff at the Jews as they're coming to pray at the Wailing Wall. Like, that just happened on Good Friday, right? And so, and, and the, the security, the police, said, Israel has always done our best because we know that there's a lot of different faiths that are represented here. We've, we've done our best to respect the Muslims, and we've done our best to respect the Christians, and we, 
have asked them to respect us as well. One thing that's notable is, um, you know, I read in Joel uh, chapter 3 there where the, the God says, basically, you're, you've dispersed and, and you've taken land from my people. One thing to note is during the Bush administration, there was a strong push to give up the Gaza Strip. I don't know if you remember this, but um, some of you remember this. There was a big push to give up the Gaza Strip. And so the Bush administration got behind it and uh, they encouraged other nations, the EU, et cetera, and they all got behind it and they convinced Israel and, um, to go ahead and, and give up the Gaza Strip, okay? That if they did that, uh, the Arabs that were living in that area said, if you'll give us the Gaza Strip, there won't be any war. Guess what happened after they gave up the Gaza Strip? shot rockets immediately. And they shot rockets from uh, kids' schools, daycare centers, and hospitals, literally in the windows of hospitals, shooting rockets out of Gaza Strip over this area of Gaza where our friend, um, uh, Pastor Israel, um, pastors. And, uh, and so you see stuff like that. You know, in, in the crisis in the Middle East, number one, there's never gonna be peace in the Middle East, <laughs> okay? It's just not gonna happen. Um, if today... If, if you went to the Jews and living in Israel and you said, okay, all of you have to put down your weapons and there's gonna be peace. If they all put down their weapons and they said, okay, put our weapons, all of our, 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 our missiles, our guns, et cetera, our artillery, put it all into a safe vault that we can't touch, what would happen the next day? They'd be taken over in a heartbeat, okay? If you said to all the Muslim extremists over there, put down your weapons, put them all in a vault, all your missiles, your rockets, your ammunition, your guns, put them on. What would happen? There would be peace in the Middle East. There would. Because Israel has shown itself to be respectful, okay? And so we, as a church, actually, uh, one of our uh, authentic attributes, something that just kind of makes us unique, is we actually bless Israel. Every single year, the first offering that leaves this house, the first check Fawn and I write as a husband and wife, it goes to bless the people of Israel. And I believe that's one of the reasons that our family has been blessed, and I believe that's one of the reasons that our church has been blessed. So, all right. So, uh, what's happening in Israel? So, Benny Gantz recently also came out. But he's the, If you're not familiar with who Benny Gantz is, he's the uh, defense minister of Israel. So, he came out and he said that Iran has enough enriched uranium right now for at least one nuclear bomb that they know of. Uh, and, and ballistic missiles, and, and actually one of the ballistic missiles, the Muslim named, uh, they wrote on the missile, and it was the name of a, a battle that they won, they fought and they won against the, the people of Israel. So they actually named that missile that they intend to launch after that battle, hoping that they're gonna win again. Like all this stuff is happening right, I mean like front page news in Israel, you can see all this stuff. Israel has warned Iran publicly many times, stop building up fortified, re fortified regions on our northern border. Basically, we know what your plan is, okay? You're not fooling anybody. And the relationship that you have as Iran with all your different allies on our northern border makes us feel very uncomfortable. And they're building it up and they're asking for the Golan Heights and they're asking for different areas over there. And Israel is not backing down. I personally, now let me step away from what the word of God says. I'm just gonna share with you my personal feelings on, on the matter. I personally feel that uh, Israel is holding back, but I think if, if it doesn't change with Iran building up the fortifications on their northern border, it would not surprise me if Israel launched first. And if Israel, I don't think Iran would be stupid enough to launch first because then they would look bad. And a lot of it is the appearance in the news for what they're trying to do. But if Israel launches first, then you'll see the different allies of Iran, uh, which do include Russia. Uh, you'll see different nations rise up to uh, Iran's lead. And it's not just Iran. I mean, you're talking there's Libya, Syria, you have Turkey, some stuff that's happening right now with Russia. There's a reason Russia wants Ukraine, okay? 
And it isn't just to be near the coast. It's, there's, there's, there's a lot of value in Ukraine. So all these nations are talked about in Bible prophecy. So Russia and its surrounding allies, it's likened to Magog in Ezekiel 38. You can read about the Gog and Magog War. Um, Iran is likened to Persia, uh, which is also talked about in Ezekiel 38 and 39. China is likened to the kings of the east and also to Magog. It's in Revelation 16 uh, that, that they're gonna come against the people of God. In many years, China had a one-child policy. Some of you remember that, uh, where uh, they would basically find out if it was a boy or a girl, and if it was a girl, they were aborting that baby, or if they birthed the baby, they would just leave it on the doorstep, and so there was a bunch of orphanages that were overrun in China, but good news is some of the most amazing orphanages in China are Christians that are there teaching English and teaching the things of God to these children. So even though Satan tries to take a generation out, the people of God like the men of Issachar, they went there, they knew what to do in that hour, and they've been taking in babies all over the place, and it's been such a blessing to the people over there. And so, um, so that's a little bit what's happening in the news. But based on what the scriptures say, based on the timeline that I just shared with you that started May 14th, 1948, I don't believe we're just living in the end times, okay? If Jesus said this generation's not gonna pass away and we just discussed one generation is roughly 70 to 80 years and we're 74 years into it since the time clock started ticking in May 14th, 1948, I don't know that we're just living in the end times but possibly the end of the end times. Luke 17, 22 through 30 said this, Jesus said to his disciples, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, hey, look here, look there. When they do that, don't go out or follow them, for as lightning flashes across and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in this day. That's talking about the rapture. It's gonna happen from one side to the other, all around the world. But he first must suffer many things and be rejected by this Generation. So he's talking about a future generation. He says, but this generation, just as it was in the days of Noah, this is really important, just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, and then the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building, but on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, Fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. So it will be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So he said in the days of Noah, question for you, did the flood happen before Noah entered the ark, after he had entered the ark, or when he was already in the ark? It happened before he got into the ark and now it started to flood, right? In the days of Lot, the angels actually came and said, Lot, you and your family, you're the only righteous one here. You have to get out of here so that we can pronounce judgment. We cannot judge this area. The wrath of God can't be poured out until y'all get out of here. So go. And so Lot, I mean, his wife, not so good, but his, him and his daughters, they got out and they were safe, right? They couldn't pronounce judgment until... So we see there an, a glimpse into the nature of God, and these are the words of God. Next week, we're gonna talk about what that looks like in the biblical timeline with rapture and tribulation and the seven-year feast and all that kind of stuff. We're gonna connect the dots next week. But um, a precursor to that, I would say, is the nature of God appears to be 
when he's gonna pour out his wrath. Now, this doesn't mean that you're not gonna have trials, we're not gonna have issues. There's people that have been crucified, there's people that have been beheaded for the cause of Christ, but we have not seen the wrath of God poured out. That's different, okay? Tribulation, that's a day, those are days that you don't wanna be here, and I believe we're not gonna be here, okay? That God would get you out. And there's scriptures that pertain to that about us being caught up, where's where you get the word rapture from. We're gonna talk about that next week. Jesus said it's gonna be like this in Luke 17. And this is where we're gonna kind of land the plane. So maybe if somebody wants to come up and play some music, Justin or Sophie, that would be awesome. Luke 17, Jesus said, I tell you, in that, in that night, there's gonna be two in one bed. One will be taken, the other's gonna be left. There's gonna be two women grinding together, and one will be taken and the other left. And they said to him, where, where Lord? Where, where is this gonna happen? And he said, where the corpse and where the vultures were gathered. That's where it's gonna be. So basically, there's a selective rapture that's basically there's two people, and he's showing that there's people that are living for God and there's people that are not living for God. The ones that are living, living for God will be taken. The ones who are not living for God, that they would then enter into tribulation. So how do we have peace? You're like, thank you, Jeff. This has been a really unencouraging message. <laughs> I'm nervous right now. My palms are sweaty. So what's the peace I have? How do you have peace in the middle of all this? Philippians 4 says this, rejoice in the Lord always, no matter what's coming. What does it mean to rejoice? It's actually re-engaging your joy. <laughs> rejoice, like the joy, joyce, joy, do it again, re rejoice, right? So it's like get that joy, do it again. It says rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Take part in the joyous celebration. That's why it's so important to gather together as a church. Why it says in Hebrews 10, it says don't stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. No, 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 you need to stay in because the day when you're not feeling good, you're gonna come in and you're gonna, your strength's gonna be renewed. We're gonna help you rejoice. The day that I don't feel good, you're gonna strengthen me. Your song is gonna carry my song. And just like Sophie carried the song this morning and maybe you felt it and walked in and you were like, oh man, God, I wanna, joy, I wanna rejoice in you. And then her song became your song. That's the beauty of coming together. That's the beauty of being part of a church family. That's why you can't just do church at home or just church online. We're, we weren't created to do life that way. For us as authentic church, we don't have a live stream. <laughs> and we won't ever have a live stream. Um, I'm, I'm just a fan. People, there's lots of great things to watch on a Sunday morning if you want to stay home. And I get it. Some people are sick or they're traveling. Or do, that's awesome. Our services will be put online in a, in a day or two, okay? But it's so important for us to gather together. So he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And then Paul goes on to say, verse five, and he says, by the way, don't become bitter or angry or hard-hearted. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Gentleness, oh man. When that person is saying the most ridiculous things, God, let my gentleness be evident to all. Sometimes in traffic, I swear I'm barely saved. <laughs> and if you're in the left lane on a four-lane highway and you're going only 50 miles an hour, hour, I will give you a meep, meep. Just a... And if you still don't get over, What are you doing? Maybe flash my lights, you know? As believers, as authentic church today, it's kind of like, 
Hong Kong. Jesus is coming. Meet me. Just want to let you know, you better get on with it. It's time to get going. It's not the time to slow down. It's not the time to back away. It's time to move forward. Paul goes on to say in verse 6, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So how do you get rid of anxiousness? Number one, you pray. Talk to God. If it's on your heart and your mind and you feel like you're starting prayer and you can't engage with God because this thing's over here, pause your Our Father prayer model, okay? And just come over here and just say, okay, God, this is really on my heart. I'm frustrated about this, 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 and just talk to him. Like, you don't want to get in this robotic motion of our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, blah, 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 like a hamster on a wheel. No, 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 he wants to engage with you. So you defeat anxiousness, you defeat fear by just pausing, just coming and praying to him. So just pray about anything and everything. Your prayers, your petitions, when you do this, come with thanksgiving. God, I thank you. Thank you I'm alive today. Thank you that there's breath in my lungs today. Thank you that I can stand up and walk today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that I can drive a car today. Thank you I have a car. Thank you for the gas in my car. Even though it's seven bucks a gallon, God, I thank you for the gas in my car. And Lord, you're not surprised by the cost of the gas, so I don't need to freak out about it because you're the provider. No man is a provider. You're my provider. So if things get more expensive, then I just trust you're going to take care of it. So I just continue to tithe and live my life full of generosity, trusting that the God that is most generous is going to pour back into me above and beyond what I can ask, think, or imagine. You're my provider. In verse 7, and the peace of God, (laughs) the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it's going to guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Zechariah we're not going to go there, but Zechariah 4, 6, it says, it's that famous scripture where we say, not by might, not by power, not by my spirit, but by yours, right? We, right? But by the spirit of the Lord. And then we pray that, and then we go out, and we're like, with all my might, with all my power, with all my spirit, I'm going to do this in the name of the Lord, right? The Lord's like, you're missing it. You're missing it. Relax. It isn't by your mind, your power, your by your spirit. It's by mine. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come and learn my ways. The unforced rhythms of grace. Walk in my grace. It goes on to say in verse 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Don't, don't listen to the news. Dear God, wonder why people are having heart attacks. It's like, I don't know if it's due to anything that they put in their bodies or maybe it's just due to the news that they're putting in their minds. You know, their hearts faint within them, right? If anything's excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Get your mind set on the things above, not on the things of this world. Verse nine, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, just put it into practice and the God of peace is gonna be with you. Paul goes on to say Philippians 4.12, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it means to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether I'm well-fed or hungry or living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So the 
key to when you digest a sermon like this, and you think about this, continue to live your life. For those that want to get married, get married. You want to buy a house? Buy a house. Take a vacation? Take a vacation. Plan like Jesus is not coming back for 100 years. Plan. Go ahead. Invest. Do that stuff. But let's live like he's coming back tomorrow. Let's live with intentionality. Amen. Amen. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.